I'm, I'm honest with my kids. I, I rode pine at Boise state. Um, well, aluminum, we had aluminum benches, but you know, and I worked my butt off in the weight room and in conditioning, but I couldn't get out of my head when it came to the box and I didn't prioritize my time well. And I did plagiarize and get expelled from college and that's on me and it's human. And you know what, there's probably a million more times in my life that I'm going to make mistakes again. But as long as you're authentic and you're honest with your communication, you know where you're at. And so you can build a plan of attack to get to where you want to be. An MMA fighter, an ex D1 softball player, a performance coach, and a person living with juvenile Huntington's Ariel France with guns bigger than probably my average listener. Welcome to the Talking <laughs> Shop podcast, where I'm here to share stories, lessons, and experiences in sports performance and professional development. I'm your host, Matt Tometz, and I'm joined by Ariel. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. That was a great intro. I appreciated it. Yeah. I totally didn't practice that beforehand, but the gun, the guns part was best. It's yeah. true. I saw her in a wedding dress. I was kind of scared myself. <laughs> I know. I just got those photos back and um, I can't see my back. Like I don't physically see my back, but I do when I pick people take pictures of me and it always surprises me always yes. every time. It's like, wow. It's it was, aggressive. My, my parents were also very impressed as well. If that counts for anything. I work out. So, so how we know each other, some context, I played baseball at Truman state with her brother, Kent. And recently we were able to finally meet in person, or I think we crossed paths once. Yes. Once before. Once at at a tournament, because she played softball uh, at Boise state and she lives out there now. Um, But at Kent's wedding, she was the best man and she did all the ceremonies and stuff. It wasn't the most traditional wedding, but it was great. So <laughs> it was a good time. But I got to shake your hand, but I've, I've heard a lot about kind of your journey, um, a more recent diagnosis and kind of everything in between. So I, want, I just want to chat about that journey and all these different factors that go into coaching, being an athlete's personal life things. So I guess first, can we just touch on your softball career and then your current coaching job? Yeah, so um, I played softball pretty much my entire life, Um, a very, very long time. Uh, Pretty wild journey, honestly. Um, After my freshman year of college, a lot of success um, athletically, I ended up getting expelled from college um, in the first semester of my first attempt at sophomore year. You were a Um, Juco bandit, right? Uh, yeah, Juco. Yeah, I was over at Heartland Community College. And um, like I said, a, a phenomenal freshman year. It was really great for me, both socially and athletically, but not as much um, as far as staying out of trouble, apparently. Um, I ended up getting expelled uh, my first attempt at sophomore year for plagiarizing a grade report for like initialing for one of my teachers. Oh, my. Um, I know they expelled me and two baseball players, um, (laughs) which at the time seemed really intense, but you know, you live and learn. And I ended up taking a couple years off and moving to Las Vegas, which is where I got in my first um, personal training certification, ACSM, and uh, started into the nutrition world and really started diving in that way. And um, then I ended up at another JUCO at College of Southern Nevada, which any Bryce Harper fans out there, um, that's, yeah, that's where he was at. Did you ever um, get to meet him or was it different times you were there? 
Uh, we were there at different times, but I did get to meet him um, several times. Actually, he he was a regular stopping in, hanging out, and he actually went to school with a lot of my friends that were out there. So um, was he cool? I am familiar. He was as much of a douchebag at that time as you would imagine. <laughs> um, I love it. <laughs> but I I don't like I don't I you know I don't know him anymore. He's married. He's uh, you know yeah don't hopefully he doesn't listen to this and hear that but uh <laughs> yeah so uh, juco after my second attempt at sophomore year which was also extremely successful which was surprising after not playing for three years two three years um i got recruited by boise state which is how i wound up there i did a compliance um case to get all my time back so i actually got to play two years at boise state and um <clears throat> yeah um, did terrible, uh, absolutely terrible at the D1 level, let me tell you, um, just from, which we'll wrap back to, I'm sure, later in this podcast, but, um, yeah, I really, really struggled once I got, once that I got to big kid ball, and it had nothing to do with my physical skills, you know, no one could touch me in the weight room, or in conditioning, um, or even in practice, or in fall ball, but when it came down to showtime, uh, I got a bit of the, the yips, in the box fall american yeah yeah i was that fall i was that practice squad player you know um which like i said i'm sure we'll wrap back to later in this podcast but yeah and uh, my last two years ever playing softball were by far the worst that i ever did performance wise and um some of the most impactful years of my life as coaching goes um but yeah so i did the juco thing i did as about as long as I could have drug out my college career, I did it. So, um, yeah. And then that kind of transpired into, like I said, the strength and conditioning world for me. And, um, yeah. And, and now I'm kind of wrapping back into a new season of being an athlete again, which is super cool. How old were you when you graduated? Oh God. I think I was, let's see. Uh, what what year is it? Okay, so 16, 17, 19, 20, 21. I think it was 24. Van Wilder. Wow. I love it. Yeah. With, no, with the, I, the, definitely. The, with the COVID retreat years, there's probably a few people like that as well. But so yeah. what, I, what I thought was going to be the most tame part of your story, I guess, is actually not, which is very uh, There's no cool such thing hear. as tame. There's no such thing as tame in my life. And I'm sure that anyone you know in my family would attest to that. <laughs> Fantastic. So, so next, let's go in chronological order, I guess. What, what happened first? Was it the, the diagnosis and that inspired your MMA stuff or kind of like, what was next? Uh, so my senior year of college, I um, had some health issues um, that just kind of were a bit out of the ordinary. And we were just trying to get to the bottom of them and um, couldn't really figure it out. And it ended up kind of wrapping back to this Huntington's diagnosis. Um, super rare, doesn't make much sense. Um, but after the diagnosis was done and we looked back kind of at some of the medical history that I had had through high school and um, through college, it, it made a lot of sense. Um, and yeah, that was a whirlwind. It, it really, uh, it really shook my life up for a good couple years and my family's. 
Um, and a lot of it was the mental side of it, just like uh, Huntington's disease is really rare in itself. And not a lot of people are familiar with it. There's no, there's not a ton of research on it or um, treatments. It's really just kind of treating symptoms as they come, but nothing for the overall disease. Could you and, give us a, a little crash course on just the background of it, what it is, how it manifests itself? Yeah. So Huntington's disease is a mutation in your DNA where basically you, when you learn about DNA sequences, like the three little letters that go together, um, there is a um, repeat of a certain DNA sequence um, that causes a mutation in your DNA, basically. And what that precludes to um, is you may or may not experience symptoms. It's uh, some people experience it, some people don't, which they don't quite understand. But how I like to wrap it is if you put ALS and Alzheimer's into a blender together, oh it's my. kind of where Huntington's goes and it just kind of attacks uh, the brain in a way that uh, impacts your physical movement capabilities and also um, your memory and uh, kind of motor skills and cognitive abilities. So it's um, super awesome. They don't know a ton about it. And um, in my case, I have um, a repeat count that would put me in a juvenile section, which explains why I did actually through high school have some pretty big issues that we never could quite figure out. Um, makes sense now. But yeah, mine's a rare version of a rare disease. And doctors have had a really good time with me. I've gotten to work with um, some really really smart, intelligent people from um, the Mayo Clinic to Chicago Institute of Medicine and uh, from the Huntington's uh, Center for Excellence out in Salt Lake City and um, all super great places. But to be honest with you, um, I've really gotten away from talking about it. Uh, when it first happened, it brought a lot of attention to me or I used it to bring a lot of attention to me just because it was so fresh in my mind and very raw and just something, you know, out of the norm. And since it kind of calmed down, uh, I really almost forget that I have it um, now that I'm doing well. I still have some health issues and every once in a while, but I have been very, very blessed, especially in this last year with um, amazing health. And uh, yeah, and, and it's not something that I even bring up anymore when I meet people um, just because I don't want to be that person. Um, like, oh, she's got Huntington. No, like, I'm not MMA fighter. Like, listen, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't feel sorry for me. Uh, we got it under control. So, but it's definitely, it was a humbling experience when it happened for sure. And um, yeah, it's, it's kind of one of those things that I'm taking in stride, but uh, I, I definitely don't use it as a determining factor when making decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and not to turn that into this podcast, but knowing that it's just part of who you are. And, and yeah. I would assume that it affects kind of how you live your life and how you coach your athletes and stuff like that. A very interesting perspective. So it's all, it's all kind of yeah. part of the journey, but so next getting into the MMA stuff. So, cause I would check in with Kent every now and again, my parents would want me to text Kent, and just kind of ask how you're doing and stuff. And he would always tell me that you were killing it. And that, you know, mm -hmm. like, it's not really affecting your health and stuff. And from my understanding, I don't know how reliable Kent is, but that <laughs> with like the MMA and your own training and stuff, your own fitness is kind of helping um, fight off some of the symptoms and stuff, if that's true or not. So next, could we kind of get into the decision to pursue MMA and kind of how your, your athlete journey has kind of helped your health? 
Yeah. So um, it was really cool. So I was a, uh, after graduating college and being done with the Boise State softball program, I kind of got thrown in immediately into being a softball coach in the Boise area, um, both at the high school level. And then I actually had my own college showcase team where we traveled the United States. Um, and I actually, I started with those girls when they're about 13 and, and my first group of them just are in their freshman year of college right now. And um, which is super awesome. That's great. Um, but I will say that the hunting, a lot of the Huntington's stuff and all that that's going on, um, they have, like I said, not a lot of research done, but the halt and the slow progression of the disease. And, and I get PET scans done, um, yearly. I'm supposed to get them done every six months, but like, realistically, I don't keep up with it. Um, Yolo. and, uh, I get stuff done and they just kind of check in with me. And like I said, we've definitely made it about a yearly thing, annual thing, just because it hasn't been an issue as of late. And, um, the doctor's best guess right now is that since I am so physically active and, and health and wellness plays such a big role in my life that it is in fact helping the disease. And something that, um, that I got into after college was actually teaching boxing to Parkinson's patients. And so we would do this kind of, I, I taught a memory class for older um, individuals that were trying to combat um, different cognitive diseases of some sort. Parkinson's was the main one. And what it did is we combined physical activity with cognitive ability. So you're kind of firing up both hemispheres of the brain and boxing works really well because um, you, you call out number sequences when you hit mitts. So like a one, two or three. So you're having to learn something new and cognitively check in. And, but also your motor skills are working and your heart rates up. And, and there's been a lot of studies that prove that combining those two aspects can prolong and prevent a lot of deterioration of the brain and those kind of diseases. And um, so it, honestly, I, I fully believe that my athleticism and just my routine when it comes to working out and learning new things, honestly, is something that is playing a huge factor in um, how well I'm combating this disease for sure. That's great. I, I think I remember at the wedding, it was like the, the, the day before we were just hitting golf balls and stuff. And it's like, Oh, Ariel has to go train. <laughs> yeah. I was in the process of cutting weight, um, which it is, it's tough to go to a wedding when you're supposed to be cutting weight. Um, oh, because there's so much good food, like there's so pizza much. there and I was dying inside because I can eat, man. I mean, you don't have this kind of muscle without throwing back some calories. So, um, it was painful for me to be around, um, all that food and drinking and just hanging out with family and being celebrating, but also knowing that I really had a, um, a schedule to stick to as far as my weight cut went. And yeah, that was, uh, so I was just hitting golf balls and I think downing a couple gallons of water and smelling pizza. So <laughs> I love it. Extra motivation for the fight. So next, so you rocked that fight, by the way. So I'm excited for you to tell us about that, but it actually took a while to kind of get that fight. So also from hmm. Kent, our unreliable source, that most Great. girls would like see you and then back out. And this is like your 10th time trying to fight or kind of how did this come to be? Yeah. So I've been honestly training to take a first fight for almost two years. Um, and part of it is that when I first started and got to the point where I was like, all right, I want to start um, 
I want to put my name in the hat, start talking to promoters. I was working out of a gym, Element Athletics, that um, we did a lot of sports specific. We had wrestling teams, we had baseball, we had softball, um, and we also had an MMA team. And um, so one of my best friends, Brandon, was the head of the MMA team and kind of the combat sports over there. And he, so I would jump in with them all the time. Um, I did a lot of their strength and conditioning. Um, and that's kind of how I got roped into it. And um, so by the time that I was like, all right, like, I want to do this for real. Like, let's step in the cage. Two things happened. One, I actually did have a really rough health period. Um, I had some heart issues that did get tied back to kind of Huntington's and some anxiety issues that we had to work through. And um, that was tough. And then um, COVID happened. So there was just kind of a couple of factors that played in there that right when I was like, all right, playing, like my name was in the hat, they were trying to find matchups. Um, the world went nuts. And also my health kind of deteriorated. By the time that I got back into it, um, the gym that I was working at went under in that COVID period, um, which was really unfortunate. I worked there for like three and a half years and it was amazing. And a lot of really great people out of there. Um, so I ended up having to find a new MMA team. Um, and even though I was still throwing my name out there to promoters and stuff, um, it was hard to nail something down without knowing a coach or corners that I would have, or like a team. I ended up finding the gym that I'm fighting out of right now, which is No Excuses out of Nampa. And they're amazing, incredible. A lot of really good fighters, professional and amateur out of there and boxers. Um, and, uh, yeah, they immediately, when I went in, we started throwing my name at the hats, trying to get fights like right away. And yeah, it was a lot of fall throughs, a lot of people backing out, not thinking that I was the right matchup for someone trying to debut. And then finally we were supposed to get actually a, a fight in Pocatello, Idaho. So it was going to be nice. That seemed like everything was on track. The girl that I was fighting was a perfect matchup for me. She was a bodybuilder and a strength coach herself wow. and she actually I mean she has a huge following on Instagram so I was super excited about it she had a lot of UFC following and it was going to be just awesome she trains out of the gym with Holly Holm and like does her fight camp out of there so it was just going to be an amazing debut like really for the ages and Idaho Athletic Commission ended up shutting it down a couple weeks before it was supposed to go off because um, not enough fighters got their paperwork in which has like never happened ever. Um, but I guess, I guess there's like new people on the Idaho athletic commission. And so they kind of were just like making a statement like, Hey, like we're going to be professional about this from here on out. And kind of just like, yeah, that was really unfortunate. Again, I would have had been in fight camp. It, it felt like before taking this fight that I had been in fight camp for a solid year on and off, um, which can be very mentally and physically draining. Um, so that was, that was really tough. And at that point I got really discouraged to be honest. Um, and, I, and luckily front street fights decided to come back up, which is the biggest venue that any amateur can fight on and huge for professionals too. Um, it's huge, like 7,000 plus people, not to mention live streams on, you know, um, flow combat, which is a huge, huge combat sports app. Um, and I ended up getting that one and it going well. And, Weirdly enough, I had called it like almost two years before that I was going to debut on Front Street. Like I had called him out asking for it um, like two years before. 
and then that's how it actually played out which i thought was super cool and kind of full circle um yeah and my opponent's name was destiny weird i know i know It it was like crazy but uh it ended up playing out for the best and it it destiny was an awesome opponent too she was definitely super talented and um i'm sure that we'll both be professional by the end of the next year so um it ended up working out for the best but it took forever yes it felt like a lifetime getting to the fight and then when i actually got to the fight it took like two seconds so it was it was something and then uh something that also kent told me just to briefly ask about how because nerve issues can come with Huntington's that you don't feel as much kind of pain and stuff. Is that true? That is true. Um, which like is a little bit of a secret power, but yeah, I have no feeling in my hands, um, which is super fun when it comes to like heavy deadlifting and like Olympic lifts. Um, but, uh, when it comes to fighting, it's perfect. Um, and yeah, so a lot, especially my limbs, like, uh, my mid shin down and, in my hands, like shoulder down, elbow down, depending on the day, I have very little feeling and a lot of numbness. And I, I have a really high pain tolerance um, just in general, which kind of runs through my family, which we've always kind of uh, associated with diabetes, <laughs> does like blood flow and stuff. Um, but yeah, my pain tolerance, I once fell asleep getting my elbow tattooed. So um, that oh. definitely helps. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So last kind of question, and then I want to get into kind of you as a coach and interacting with your athletes and stuff. So as a 99.9% of the people living on earth, probably more than that, will never experience fight day. Could you take us through waking up to whenever everything is settled after the fight, just kind of that whole process? Oh gosh, it was... It was wild. The only way that I could explain it is almost like going through something traumatic, like a car crash or, or something, something like that, but like in a good way, (laughs) it's like, you're, you're aware of what happens and, um, but not, and it it happens so fast once you get into the cage and, um, it, it's wild. The, The actual, once you get to that fight, your adrenaline is just pumping and not just that I was on a venue for my first fight ever with like I said 7,000 people in attendance not to mention thousands of people watching live streaming and um, that is a huge that's the biggest crowd I've ever competed in front of and it and I'm not even with the team really it's just me in my underwear essentially locked in a cage right so wild wild experience and you know the person across from you is literally the sport is that they're going to try to put you in so much pain that your body's either going to black out or you're physically going to be like, I'm, I'm done. Like get me out of here. Right. So like, that's the whole sport. I would say the day after, um, amazing. I felt so good. I woke up, I had black eyes that were super gnarly my nose was broken in like three places. And, um, I got the win. It, it felt amazing. Honestly, I rode that high first, probably a week or two. Um, just everyone being super, you know, reaching out, being super supportive and just like congratulatory. And it, it felt amazing. I felt very accomplished. It's the hardest thing that I've ever had to do in my life as far as pushing my limits mentally and physically and to then have success with it. Um, it was, it felt, it felt really good, real good. I bet after all that time for sure. Yeah, it was, a. Uh, it, 
it was a lot of time and effort to put in and, and I would say that it was definitely worth it. When's the next fight? February we're shooting for we're shooting for February 19th front street is hosting again and I would be stupid to ever say no to that venue because it is so cool and it's local so I can sleep in my own bed which a lot which makes a huge difference any athlete knows that when you have a home um, event Uh, it's just easier, right? You're around loved ones. You have a bigger support system. There's no travel fatigue. Like it's just better. Um, I was hoping to fight both in December and in January before the February card, but with my nose being broken, I have one more surgery on it. So we're just going to make sure that that gets healed up correctly first before jumping into the next fight. Oh my gosh. You are nuts. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So next kind of last big topic so as, so I guess we'll, we'll, we'll kind of go back to the beginning and then relative to you as a coach and interacting with your athletes and just how that impacts that. So although playing college sports doesn't necessarily make you amazing at that sport, like I threw 70 poo, you had your two years at, at Boise and stuff, but there is some credibility in just on the TC boost bio, it says, Matt played college baseball. He made it to D2 World Series. And little Johnny's dad goes, I want little Johnny to train with Matt. So right, wrong, or the other, there just is value in that. So having coached softball yourself, but also more in kind of just the in general performance space, how do you draw on your experiences, whether it was um, in and out of JUCO, being spelled, having to fight through that, or just playing at a big stage D1? Um, how do you kind of draw on those experiences when it comes time to chat and coach your athletes? Right. Um, and, and this is kind of why I brought up the expulsion and, and the two years at Boise state earlier to circle back to this point. I, I love fitness. I love being in the weight room. I love throwing around heavyweight. Um, it's, it's one of my favorite activities to do and, and whether or not, um, I was still an athlete, I would still be doing it. Um, and it's just something I really enjoy. And there's a lot of, aspects of health and and I think um in the strength and conditioning world or even in like coaching specific sports we focus really heavily on the physical aspects and the skill set physical skill sets that are needed for sport but with my experience and in having been blessed with so much natural athleticism and um and then realizing that I had never developed uh, a work ethic, um, or never developed, um, coping strategies for failure. Um, by the time that I got to that D one level and experienced failure, I, I didn't know how to handle it and I didn't have enough time to make that adjustment. And those two big moments that, that getting expelled from my freshman year of college and, and then experiencing failure again at Boise state, they have a lot of similarities in that even though I had all the physical strength, speed, and capabilities of probably the top 1% of female athletes in the world, um, my mental health and my mental wellness uh, was not in a place that allowed me to unlock and utilize those talents that I had. And those, those two periods in my life, even though I, don't, I learned a lot during them, Honestly, the biggest importance for them was the seeds that they planted that I I pulled from much later in life when it came to how I view things, how I experience things, and and how I've decided to approach both the young athletes and professional athletes that I've worked with and 
now that I'm using as I chase my own professional athletic career. Um, health is great. Strength and conditioning is great. Um, but if you never focus on the mental health and the emotional intelligence that goes along with it, you're, you're never going to unlock your true potential as an athlete or just in life in general. So um, I, I would say that's the biggest thing. Going through my freshman year of college, I experienced all of these success um, socially and athletically as I could, but I went through a couple of really traumatizing um, experiences that I didn't know how to handle. And they ended up festering to this point of me getting expelled. And uh, I just didn't have the tools back then to use and, and to ask for help. And it's a very taboo thing. It's just really starting to surface the importance of mental health. And, you know, there's so many, there's so many terms and, and approaches that we use in the strength and conditioning world, like progressive overload. And, you know, the, the entire process of breaking a muscle down to rebuild it stronger. It's really similar when you approach the health side of wellness too. And I think that um, that is the biggest driving factor of how, how I coach now. I, I focus, especially with my youth athletes, is you're gonna experience failure. Um, it's going to happen. And, and whether that's on an athletic platform or it's on you know your work or in your relationships or whatever, like this, let's learn some coping strategies. Let's learn some really healthy behaviors and how to put them in place while we're young. So that way, when we do experience them, whether it's at softball or it's in MMA or it's at our job or it's in our relationships, what can we build now? And how can we use strength and conditioning or how can we use sport to facilitate that lesson and build those tools so when we go out into life and be professional at whatever it is we're going to be, um, that we're prepared for it and, and that we have a really healthy relationship with our emotions and kind of our, our mental thing. And I think that's, as a coach personally, um, you know, I could, I could teach you how to run and I could teach you how to lift all day. But if you're not mentally checked in and you're, you know, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? Mental health is definitely the biggest push that I have in, in my training with my athletes and myself now that I wish I would have had my first go about um, and my second go about. So now that I'm at my third kind of run at this, at my own athletic career, um, I'm, I'm so much more prepared and I'm so much healthier, not even just from a physical standpoint, but from a mental health awareness standpoint. And it, it's, it really makes all the difference. And that's all I could hope to ever bring to my athletes and those that I coach. I forgot where, where I saw this, but someone very eloquent described it that it's very easy to say bigger, faster, stronger, a broken bone, et cetera, et cetera, because you can actually see it. Correct. Yeah. But with the mental health stuff, you can't, and you're kind of just relying on, on the trust in the word of the athletes. Like, I had a stress fracture in my foot on and off was it freshman, sophomore and senior year. And my senior year, I was like, well, I'm not sitting out. It's, this is my last year. And like, basically if I'm not throwing a baseball, I'm going to be in a boot, you know, and then I'd go right. ride the bike and stuff. And people like called me that I was faking it. I was like, dude, I run more on my own than you do when you're actually supposed to be running. Like, right. why would I, you know, so it's just so tough and it was so frustrating when it's like, you think I want to walk around in a boot all day? Like right, sit right. on a bus, you know, whatever, but it's fine. So 
next, because you have that experience and this awareness of the value of that, how does that manifest itself kind of on a daily basis? Is it more open to ask those questions? Is it simple, just hyper awareness that you don't always say something, but you're always kind of looking for it. And do you have a story of where with an athlete, because you decided to open up that convo that it completely kind of changed or something kind of awesome came out of that? Yeah, I would say um, <clears throat> just, just for me uh, as, as a young kid and, and even now into my adult life, I've, I've had, I'm a very, you know, my brother, he, he kind of is like stays in this one level all the time and you don't really ever see him mad or like super excited or, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm the opposite is where like, when I'm mad, you, I'm mad. And when I'm excited, I'm excited. And I experienced this really full spectrum from, of emotions and the depth that bring. And, and I got into this headspace after experiencing some of these really traumatic events or these really just like devastating time periods in my life where I was like, this sucks. Like, I don't want to feel like this. Like I'd rather be like my brother and just like nothing really shakes me. And like, he's so much more successful when it comes to like societal things and like fitting in and doing the right thing. But what I realized is like, it's actually such a gift to experience the depth of emotions. And as long the, the the thing is you have to understand how to respond to them. And so for my life, um, uh, I, I do a lot of things. I do a lot of breathing and meditation in my own life, just kind of just to keep me in check because I can be a handful and, um, I have a lot of anxiety. I, I suffer from actually a major anxiety disorder, which is related to the Huntington's, um, that, um, gets really bad. I'm not going to lie. And, and, and so, I've cho chosen to take that as uh, a gift because now um, working with this kind of 13 to 20 year old um, group, um, it has helped me connect so much better and, and be so much more impactful for my athletes than I ever could have been if I never would have had those down periods, if I never would have went through those periods that were super emotionally uh, just devastating um, and, and it's really made the world and I, I've found so much connection and impactfulness working with my high schoolers especially and like I said I just sent my first group out to college um, which is amazing and you know they'll still call me from from college or text me and just be like coach a like I'm really struggling like um, uh, you know uh, this is hard and I'm not seeing my family and I want to come home and like I'm not playing and I can't figure out why I'm not performing as well and I know I can do better or I've even had kids call me um, from high school from in town just be like coach a like I'm in a bad spot like I don't know who to call um, what can I do? And just having that communic that open communication, that authentic trust, like that I've built with my athletes, it's allowed them to trust me that in some really tricky spots come to me and we've been able to handle it in a very healthy way. Um, that honestly makes a huge difference because when I went through similar trauma as a kid, um, I didn't have that person that I felt I could trust and go to. And it, it festered into really destructive behaviors. Um, and so that's the biggest thing for me is there's been a handful of athletes that have gotten into spots completely unrelated to sports um, where they've, where we've built that trust and, and they felt comfortable 
coming to me for help and, and we've kind of sat through and worked through it. And it's, um, it, it's made a huge difference and it's been really special to me just to know that we're building these behaviors and, and, um, really helping them. I feel comfortable sending them out into the world, knowing that whatever they come across, they're going to remember at least two things that have said, I talk a lot. Um, but I know that they've built the tools and that they're prepared and, and they're going to, they're going to do great things. So when it comes time to have those, those conversations, uh, having said earlier that like, you don't want it all to be about Huntington's and that's not the defining part of your life and stuff like that. And something that I've worked, been trying to work on as a coach is being open about my experiences. And I'm more similar to them than dissimilar in that there are all these unique experiences that I've had that can provide value to them. So is it one of those things where it's like with your athletes, you're more open about that stuff, or it's kind of like only until it's warranted to kind of bring that up. Do you um, like, yeah. How do you go about <laughs> I that? kind of play, I'm a super, I'm super, I, I, authenticity is really important to me. There's been different versions of myself that I really look back and really hate and like, <laughs> um, which is life, right? Like the coolest thing about life is we can change ourselves an intimate, you know, an, an infinite amount of times. And, um, when I look back at some of my least favorite versions of myself and, and I keep reminding myself that I didn't have the tools back then. Um, I'm super open with my athletes, uh, super open with everyone, actually, even my mom. Um, we, <laughs> what an angel. Yeah. I tell my mom everything and so, <laughs> literally everything. And sometimes she doesn't want to know, but, um, we just came to this understanding that it's better to put it all out there because if you don't know where your starting point is or, or where you're at, how can you, how can you build a plan of attack to get where you want to be if you're not honest with where you're at? And, um, I don't openly advertise Huntington's or, um, I'll, one of the big factors of my freshman year of college and all that going on was a sexual assault. And I don't, openly talk about that when it comes to my own athletic career just because I don't want to play the pity card um you see so many athletes or celebrities kind of play the poor me like this is uh like where I came from and it was hard respectfully everyone has uh pain is relative uh emotional trauma is relative and everyone has something that feels really intensely um for them and and in failures and in in despair and in sadness, I think is one of the most relatable um, emotions for humans. And it's something that really can build deep connections. And so I'm, I'm honest with my kids. I, I rode pine at Boise State. Um, well, aluminum, we had aluminum benches, but you know, and I worked my butt off and in the weight room and in conditioning, but I couldn't get out of my head when it came to the box and I didn't prioritize my time well. And I did plagiarize and get expelled from college and that's on me. And, you know, I've made some, some really poor decisions when it came to um, different things, but that's normal. And you're going to do those and it's human. And you know what, there's probably a million more times in my life that I'm going to make mistakes again. And, you know, even coaching, like, parents are human, coaches are human, um, and we're not perfect, but as long as you're authentic and you're honest with your communication, um, you know where you're at. And so you can build a plan of attack to get to where you want to be. And that's my big thing. And I'm not going to go out and ask for sympathy and be like, Oh, like, 
put me on the UFC and I have this great backstory because I have Huntington's disease or, or I was this problem child that got expelled from college. Like, I don't want to play it that way, but when it comes to, Hey, you're experiencing failure, I've been there too. And this is how I combated it. And here's some ideas for helping you. I'm definitely going to be there with that. Um, and, And that's kind of my line, right? Like whenever it's beneficial to someone to help them and to kind of, um, connect, uh, I, I want to be there and I want to be authentic, but if it's just to kind of like, oh, I've been through all this, so I'm so strong, pay attention to me. I, I never want to be like that. And, and honestly, I have been like that in the past. Um, and, and I have used kind of those traumatic moments in my life for attention. And I hate that version of myself and, and I never want to be that again. So I, um, I definitely have grown up in a way where I want to use the hard points in my life to connect and help others. And, um, and, and, and that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> Speaking of that kind of topic, there's a quote that I feel like you might like. I was watching a YouTube video by Jake Fru, and he was saying why the phrase just be yourself sucks, because it's this idea that like yourself is this thing that you can kind of always go back to. And it's this kind of static thing. And then he wrapped yeah. it back around to say, just be who you want to be. And yeah. only having lived 25 years of my life, I can say that there have been versions similar to yourself that I'm honestly not the biggest fan of. And just mm-hmm. with every stage of life, you know, it was COVID and then now I'm, uh, now it's the world is opening back up and I'm an adult and I'm not a baseball player in college and I'm not a grad student at TCU. And like, it feels different, but I wouldn't, I guess, looking back, like I wouldn't expect it to feel the same anyways. So kind of just like be who you want to be and you can, you can transition and morph into whatever you want. But um, the, the second thing that, that I really liked was context and having the same backstory in two different examples. Like, well, I should be given all of these things because of X. And then, well, because of all of these things, we're more similar than dissimilar and I can relate to you and hopefully provide some value to you as an athlete. So I think that that's huge because both make sense. I'm not gonna say that, that they don't make sense, but if you know your goal and why you're bringing it up, I think that it only just sets you up for more success to kind of make that impact. Absolutely. And, and like you said, and I think one of the most ridiculous things in life that I've ever heard in like TV shows and people say is like, people don't change. Like, like I'm sorry, oh, yeah. but like <laughs> the most, the most consistent thing about life is that everything is constantly changing. And I mean, even the version of me that existed before we have this conversation on this podcast is different than the version that I am right now. Right. We're constantly experiencing new things and making new decisions and, and um, how we view the world is is through this filter of all the experiences we've had as individuals. And, um, and I just think that's so cool, right? Like every single person, there's been billions and trillions of people that have existed um, on the planet since the beginning of time and not one single life has been the same. And so if we start talking about all of our experiences and how we've felt and how we've managed them, like you can find a lot of connection in that because otherwise it can feel very isolating if, if it's always like, oh, you've never experienced, like, you haven't been through the same, you know, hardships as I had, and mine's worse than yours. Like, no, like, it, it's very relative, and where can we find the commonalities in that, and, and how can we grow, and that's really where I'm at in my life right now, is, is how can I grow, how can I be better? I, I've really tried to forgive past versions of myself that haven't always had the best intentions, and, and they have existed, and I won't lie, and, um, but you know, that's, that's who I was then. And that's all I knew then. And uh, now I know more and I know better. And, I, and I'm, 
and I'm doing better. And that's all you can ever do as a person is just kind of uh, regularly check in. Who do I want to be? What parts of me don't fit what I'm trying to be? And, and how can we change them? How can we adapt and grow? And, you know, that's, I think that's the, a never ending process that every single person on earth is constantly going through. I used to, I used to, to kick myself a lot, reflecting back to high school and undergrad and graduate school. And it's like, oh man, man if, if I only knew back then what I know now, but it's like, hey, dummy, you had to make those mistakes to learn those things. So that's exactly. the only reason you're saying it. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess that, <laughs> I guess yeah, that like makes I, sense. <laughs> I had to be this tool, you know, that, that had all these destructive behaviors and to really kind of blow everything up in my life a couple of times for me to be like, okay, we've lived through this pattern of mistakes multiple times now. So like, what, what's going on here? And, and how can we avoid this in the future? And like, if you feel crappy, like, how can we, you know, feel better? Like, you know, like it, it's, it's a simple idea, but it, it can be so complex and difficult to actually apply in real life. So there's no way that I could possibly try to sum up slash wrap up that conversation and topic. And I'm sure we could record an, a whole nother hour with that as well. But Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> super, super valuable just to open up those conversations. And, and I feel like vulnerability, not to discredit that word, but that might be a little bit, not cliche, but you know what I'm trying to say, but yeah. just like, I have these experiences and like, I'm not just some coach that like teaches you how to a skip and run a flying 10 and like all this stuff. Right. It's like, no, like there's, there's like, it, it's so funny as athletes learn more about me, just like not in the facility. Um, like I, I was recently looking for jobs and, and my middle school was like, what you're going to leave. I'm like, yeah, homie, I have a life to live. Like yeah. I don't just coach you for two hours a week. <laughs> exactly. But, exactly. I get that like, all the time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like just going from, um, like walk on to world series and like looking for jobs and living at home and, and all of these things in between, like, like TCU and all my experiences there. And I almost left after my first month and everything that, that that turned into, like, those are all experiences that, that I'm now learning to be more open and share that I'm like a person. And it was funny. One of my high schoolers, he recently got his heart broken and he was like, and he was like, Oh yeah, Matt, you, you remember the first day I hung out with this girl two months ago. And to us, it's like, oh, two months, like that's not, two but, months. Like, but that's his world, you know? Right, so not to exactly. Do. And then we literally just sat and talked for like 20 minutes. And as like a 15 year old, he was like, he was like, yeah, it's cool that I can come here. And it's more than just working out and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, you, you sound kind of like an old soul. It's cool. Yeah, it, it's neat. And, you know, I think as humans, sometimes we get this idea, especially in society that like, we're supposed to be happy. Like that's the goal. Like the goal is happiness. But the truth is that like, um, we're, we're built to experience this whole spectrum of emotions and a lot of things that come from what we have deemed negative emotions, whether it's sadness, despair, jealousy, anger, those emotions bring so many things that happiness and comfortability could never bring. I mean, think of some of the most profound works of art that, that exist or like your favorite music or your favorite movies. Like they don't come out of a place of happiness necessarily. Like a lot of them come out of these really dark times in people's lives. And, and even though it can be, they can be super uncomfortable feelings and they can be destructive if we don't know how to handle them. They can also be, be really, just crucial in, in developing some of the most brilliant and and most pivotal 
points in, in our life. And I, I think that's something that I really try to teach um, wherever I go is you're not supposed to be happy all the time. So be when you are like, be grateful for it, ride that high. And, and when life brings you harder, more uncomfortable seasons, um, take what you can from them. Right. And there are, there are positive things from there and, and just know that it's not forever. And, but because you're experiencing this, it's going to open up a whole new world to you. Uh, and it's really just kind of leveling up. So uh, I think that's really important. What, what people don't realize is if every day was amazing, then that would be average. Yeah. We wouldn't know. Like, you know, you need that contrast in your life. Everything in life's about balance and you're with the good. You don't understand the bad and you know, I could make a million metaphors about it, but we'd have to be here for another hour. <laughs> for sure. So with all these sound bites that we kind of had throughout the past hour and stuff, I'm sure that there's plenty that the listener can take home. But knowing that, even if it might not be drastic, that that even after this episode, me, you, and the listener, that there is going to be something that has changed. But if you had to give something a little bit more concrete, one question that they can put in a sticky note, a note on their phone or whatever it may be, just a reminder from Ariel, statement, sentence, however you want to phrase it, what would that be? Um, God, it's so difficult. Uh, I guess just something along the lines of like, who do you want to be? You know what I mean? Like, what do you want to be? What do you, you know, like, if at every, every night you ask yourself, you know, did I, did I get better today? Or did I make the community around me better today? You know, that's all you can aspire to do. And um, my, on the other side, I would say, be gentle with yourself. You know what I mean? Um, like I said, we're human. The most human thing about us is that, you know, we're, we're going to make a lot of mistakes and um, be honest when you do. And because um, everyone else makes them too, and they'll respect you a lot more for it. Uh, but constantly keep this idea of who you want to be. Like, what is your highest self? exist what how do they talk how do they walk what are their goals what are they accomplishing what are they prioritizing and anything about you that doesn't fit that just slowly start you know uh, wiping it away and it's going to take time and it's going to take repetitions um but who do you want to be and just focus on that and anything that doesn't fit in that just work through and give yourself time a two for one little bonus right there so yeah I want to say thank you very much for, for making the time for your candidness and all of your experiences and whatnot. So now I'm opening the, or I'm rolling out the red carpet for you to shamelessly plug emphasis on shameless. What have you got to plug? Where can the listeners get more? You know, um, my Instagram is where I do most of my stuff. I'm not great at social media. Um, but my Instagram is definitely where I'm most active and, uh, right now it's a, it's a lot of fighting. Yeah, it's definitely, um, I'm constantly archiving things and then bringing them back. So follow me on Instagram, um, a France two, six, a Y E not like the letter a, and I'm sure that you'll put a link into it, but, um, yeah, especially if you're into fighting or just like working out it's, it's, and, um, I also post a lot, like, a, an ungodly amount of like mental health, emotional wellness stuff on my story. So if you need a little pick up for the day, just check out my story. That's fantastic. You know where to find her. So thank you again. And I'm looking forward to, to running into you for the third time in about seven years, eventually. Seven years, sometime around there, but definitely. And then again, um, look out for that February 19th fight. 
um because uh, it will be streaming again live on flow combat so hopefully that gets going too that'll go on my story as well and good luck when that happens yeah yeah definitely well thank you for having me this has been super awesome and i'll yeah i love just like shooting this with people so this has been great